It is Monday, October 16th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Pop the champagne Mercury Morris. And the Rangers win game one. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. A wild week six in the NFL saw the 49ers and the Eagles fall. That's right. No more undefeated teams in the NFL. That'll be the Vegas lead. We'll also get into the American League Championship Series where the Texas Rangers take game one from the Houston Astros to nothing on the strength of a tremendous pitching performance from Jordan Montgomery. But let's start things off with Sunday night football, AJ. An exciting, competitive, down-to-the-wire game. I agree with everything except exciting. Well, that's true. But when it's a close (laughs) game late, it's fun. Uh, Between the Giants and the Bills, this one closed as the Buffalo Bills laying north of two touchdowns against the Giants because Daniel Jones was not playing. It was a banged-up Saquon Barkley, Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, Giants mishmash on the offensive line, and the Buffalo Bills coming back from London looking to get back in the win column. Yeah, and they looked like they came back from London. Uh, They they did not look like themselves again. Um, And we may have to just readjust what we think of the Bills. Like, the Bills may not be – they've dealt – and this is funny because if you said what was the problem last night, you wouldn't have said defense where they've got all the injuries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they held the Giants to nine points. So it, the defense did their job despite being very shorthanded. But the offense looked, I mean, really inept for most of this game. They didn't score a point until the fourth quarter. Uh, this was after a super slow start for the offense last week in mm-hmm. Jacksonville. Like something's not right about this Buffalo team right now. And obviously we know they've got the potential to be explosive. But, man, we – we talk about these teams not taking buys after the London trip and something tells me it probably would have been good. Uh, it would have been a good idea for the bills to take one here. Yeah. Well, especially the way that they played in London. So obviously the travel to London affected them. Maybe the travel home affected them as well, but you're right. This was a slow start. They didn't score a touchdown until the fourth quarter and the giants defense. Let's give them a little bit of credit because they played well. This was, a, this was a personal game for Brian Dable going back up to Buffalo, you know, where he's from, where he coached. And the Giants defense under Wink Martindale put together an incredible scheme to stop this Bills offense. Uh, game, you know, got a little – it was a, an unfortunate situation when Damian Harris yeah. left the game, kind of maybe took the air out a little bit. But then – Nothing else happened. The Giants shut them out for three quarters. It was a very impressive job done by the Giants defense. Well, when the, when Gabe Davis turned it over early, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, boy, it's going to be one of those games. And really, the th- like Josh Allen, couldn't he didn't put on a cape and save this team. That's what happens so often is, is he's able to just rise above it all and, and make something happen. Two rushes for 11 yards, that's not Superman Josh Allen. Yeah, but – they did get a decent push from the running game, which they haven't had many times this season. They averaged four and a half yards a carry, and they got a huge game from Stephon Diggs. Uh, Diggs was able to keep getting open, keep yep. getting open, and it wasn't like 
ripping off huge chunks. He wasn't scoring touchdowns, but he kept drives alive. And uh, Josh Allen fed him, and it, it, it's really what kept the game going. And the Bills, it felt like they they almost had the ball for the entire third quarter. Yep. Like, they had the most long-sustained Buffalo Bills drive that they've had this season. And really, it, it, like, Tyrod Taylor, was, they kept showing him on the sideline, like, Just waiting. waiting and uh-huh. waiting. And the, the Bills would get to third down, they'd convert. Get to third down, they'd convert. So it wasn't the explosive Bills offense, but uh, when they needed to, they stepped up. And you know, this is—it's it, a good win for them. But I—I'm also questioning a lot about what's going on with them. I'm questioning how great they are right now. So the Bills' streak of 60 straight halves with a point was snapped in the first half. Their longest streak in franchise history. And as for the New York Football Giants, who had a six-nothing lead at the half, still. No offensive touchdown scored in the first half this season. Their only one, their one only touchdown was the pick six a couple of weeks ago. The Giants are now uh, the, let's see, first team, or the fourth team, excuse me, since 1950 to go their first six games of a season without an offensive touchdown in the first half. And going back to the Giants, I mean, they were so desperate to get that first half touchdown that maybe made a mistake at the end of the half, not playing for a field goal there. And, you know, Brian Dayball uh, didn't exactly take one for the team uh, with Tyrod Taylor. He said, no, that's not what I called. So watching the play, what happened was the Giants were driving down the field, no timeouts left. They get down to inside the five-yard line at the end of the first half. They literally have the ball at the one-yard line. This is after a defensive pass interference, right? Saquon Barkley, they they have no timeouts left. There's 14 seconds left. The clock is stopped because of the penalty. And they hand the ball off to Saquon Barkley, who gets tackled. Now, credit the Buffalo Bills players for staying on top of Saquon Barkley. Which I'm surprised because I don't think they were expecting a run either. No, but but this is what you do also. It's a little gamesmanship, not allowing him to get up and give the ball to the sure. left and snap it. And the clock went tick, 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 as Chris Berman would say. And by the time Taylor gets the team lined up to, to spike the football, time expired. The Giants walk away with zero points. Now, if you watch the play over again, he appeared to check out of the original play call and then hand the ball off to Saquon Barkley. Here was, and Brian Dable, as Taylor was walking off the field, furious. Of course. Here was Dable after the game, as you mentioned, not taking one for the team. Well, what happened at the end of the uh, first half? Uh, had a play called a run action pass play um, and ended up alerting it to a run. They get it off. You communicate just by run that yeah. you couldn't run the ball at that point. Yeah, there was, there was good there was communication. Yep. Why did it happen? He just saw he saw a look based on the play that we had, and he ended up uh, uh, alerting it. Ended up what? Ended up alerting it to a run. I got to be honest, AJ. I don't like that answer from Brian Dable. Like we we know, okay? I criticized it. I tweeted out. The, if that's a the play caller, that's a fireball offense on the play caller. Play caller right there. Like Mike Kafka, if he called the running play, should be fired. But Brian Dable said, "Hey, we had a run, we had a, we had a pass play that he checked out of. 
Okay. First off, it's still on your coaching. You have to say there is no checkoff. No. That's it. There shouldn't you, be an option out of there's that There's one play. This is the play that we're doing. And if you want to check out of this play, guess what? The next play is a passing play. There's no check option there for your quarterback to do. And then I also think as a head coach, sometimes you have to step you have to step up for your guys. And Brian Dable could have handled that post-game press conference a little bit better by just saying there was miscommunication on the play. And that's it. And I agree. The, and if somebody followed up, just say there was miscommunication. And that's yeah. it. I, I and that's tough. I, I get where he's coming from because there are people who are like Whoever pl- called that play should be fired. Uh, yep. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a weird thing, but you do have to kind of protect your player there, especially knowing Tyrod Taylor may have to start for you again next week. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, it, it, I also understand where he's coming from, where that was a, that's a pretty tough loss to swallow. Mm-hmm. You know, you felt like you could have – the, the Giants' season is over. This felt like one of those games where you could have looked back and said, that's like at least a, a positive moment for us. This was like the highlight of the season. And instead, it's 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 another one on the right side of the column that at the end of the season, they're just going to look at it. And boy, there's a big pile of those. And this was just another heartbreaking one. And you go now to the end of the game where the Giants are trailing 14 to 9 after the missed field goal by Buffalo. Had another. You- Missed field goal by Buffalo. Had you had those three points at the end of the first half, if you played for a field goal, the Giants would have kicked the field goal to win the game. Yep. But instead, they needed the touchdown, and there was a play from the nine-yard line that was called pass interference, set them up at the one-yard line. Was it pass interference? Sure. Ish. Sure. Yeah. By the letter of the law? Yeah. Yeah. Would I have been arguing if they didn't call it no maybe a little bit if i was like a giants fan i'd be like if you're he giant, tugged I mean, of the course. jersey of course. You know? but you know what it, i can understand after the game if they say it was close enough you let him go you let him play you let him play the giants have one play to win the game untimed down from untimed the down to win the game they try and throw to darren waller there's pass interference on that play it does not get called no more than the first play. It was a worse, yeah, there was more pass interference on that play than there was on the first play. Now, all I will say is both plays were kind of 50-50, whether to call it or not. The Giants got one call. Yeah. They weren't going to get another one. No. The refs, refs weren't going to bail you out twice. I, they I gave, think you're right. They gave you one, okay? It was the final play of the game. You threw the pass. It was it was incomplete. They threw the flag. They give you another. They give you another chance. Especially on the road, you yeah. have, you'd have to be a ballsy son of a gun to throw a flag on the second one too. Yeah, they they, they gave you another chance. I, I if now again, it was one of those plays where if they called pass interference, I'm not arguing it, right? Because you saw the replay. There was pass sure. interference. Had to hold of his shoulder again. Yes, but the fact that they didn't call it, I'm like, you know what? They let him play. Yep. And they let him get a little handsy. And the Giants lose 14-9, so Buffalo saves face. They win. They improve to 4-2. I think one thing you can take away if you're a Giants fan, one positive thing is Saquon, Bar- Saquon Barkley changed the offense, changed the look of the offense. Mm-hmm. What, and the defense looked great. Was, he, was Saquon Barkley like a game changer last night? No. But what he did do was buy a little bit of time for the quarterback because you're still playing behind a makeshift offensive mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. But Tyrod Taylor only got sacked three times. Like – 
three sacks in a Giants game these days is like nothing. Yeah. So the, the idea that there was a run game back there gave them a little bit of life. Mm-hmm. And maybe when Daniel Jones gets back, maybe they can they can try and uh, spark something. But it, I, I've been saying this offense without Saquon Barkley, there's no way you can respect their run game. And last night you saw the Bills, especially because the Bills have struggled against the run the last couple weeks, you saw them have to respect that run game. And they did a pretty good job against it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, again, this is – for the Bills, the offense just didn't show up. And and, uh, you're right, credit to the Giants defense who played – uh, without question, I think their best game of the season. And the Giants will uh, be playing Washington next week. Daniel Jones says that he does expect to play next week. So you'll have Daniel Jones back with Saquon Barkley, hopefully, for the New York Giants as they host the Washington Commanders. And then the Giants, the rest of their schedule, you know, Washington, they play the Jets, then they're at Vegas, Dallas, Washington, New England, Green Bay, New Orleans, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, the Rams. Besides the Philly games and the Dallas game, those are all winnable games yeah. that the Giants could get. So at 1-5, the season's not over per se, but as Yogi would say, it's getting late early. Yeah. And that's what that's where the Giants sit right now. Giants, uh, two-point dogs at home against the Washington Commanders next week. But again, let's find out what the status of Saquon Barkley is, and then I – mean, not Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, and then I think that line changes. The Bills, nine-point road favorites against the Patriots. Patriots suck. They are – Dreadful, and I guess that's where we can go next as we go through the rest of the uh, of the week six slate and the Patriots. I, I will say this: I feel bad for you if you had a Patriots plus three ticket, sure, because you were right, and the <laughs> the last second safety uh, to make it a twenty one seventeen Raiders mm-hmm, win mm-hmm. is an extra punch in the balls. But uh, this was just an ugly game, and it. it it was another rough one for Mac Jones. Although, listen, Mac Jones made a throw on the final drive that would have given them a chance yep. and had a drop. So Mac Jones made he, he made a play when it seemed like uh, like like they really needed to pull one out, and his team didn't step up for him. But this this Patriots offense continues to just be a disaster. Uh, the Raider. It's hard to say what the Raiders were yesterday because Jimmy Garoppolo again left with an injury. Brian mm-hmm. Hoyer comes in and the Hoyer didn't look too bad. He, he was fine, but he's Brian Hoyer. You're yeah. very limited in what you can do uh, when he's back. And yeah, there. The, the, the 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 playbook uh, gets shortened when you have the backup coming in. The the rest of the team kind of you know feels it a little bit. So even though Hoyer was looked okay, it's still. The game plan changes without Jimmy Garoppolo. But this is a game that if you're the Patriots, you've got to win games like this against a a, a mediocre team mm-hmm. who lost their quarterback in the yep. middle of the game. You've got to win those games, and the Patriots don't. This could be just a nightmare season for the Patriots. I, it's hard for me to picture. I mean, this happened a lot when I was a kid. But since Bill Belichick's been there, it's hard to picture a, like a Patriots team going three and fourteen or something like that. But it's very possible at this point. Every week, I'll bring it up. One bad coverage against the Jets is the only reason yeah. they have one win. No, nope. this team should be zero and six right now. And you look at Malik Cunningham, who saw the field plenty and got that one snap and did nothing with it. Right, the 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 handoff or, or read option, then he just gets sacked. Yeah. There was so much talk this week around New England about, you know, I kind of joked about it on the Dream Pod when someone would talk about New England, and I said, oh, Malik Cunningham. 
because people were saying, oh, there's rumors that they're putting in a package from Malik Cunningham. And then the report comes out yesterday that he signed off the practice squad and he's active for this game. In fact, he's the backup behind Mac Jones. Bailey Zappi is, is inactive. Will yep. Greer is inactive. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, Belichick's going to do it. He's going to he, – that's it. Malik Cunningham's playing in this game. Everyone thinks it's Mac Jones that's going to start. Malik Cunningham's going to start in this game. And he doesn't play. Now, I guess Mac Jones did okay, and you're right. He made that one throw at the end that if that's caught, it's a different game. But something has to spark this team because they still aren't scoring any points, any points at all to compete. So the Patriots are a bad football team. The Raiders, hey, they're 3-3. Three and three. They've now won two straight games. They're at, they'll hit the road now for games against the Bears and the Lions, but this is a team playing with confidence, but we just don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be as Jimmy Garoppolo had to be taken to the hospital because of the back injury to get evaluated. Let's look through the rest of the games. The Minnesota Vikings get a much-needed 19-13 win over the Chicago Bears. Again, Justin Fields gets hurt in this one. and His status unknown. I, I, yeah, what's going to happen? But, hello, we talked about Tyson Bagent in the, in the preseason, and this kid can play. This kid can run this offense. And the Bears actually looked like they could <laughs> make something happen when he was at quarterback. Well, and of course, listen, when this Bears team, like, what you don't know what they're going to be like because they were without their top two running backs yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, it, we, we saw Justin Fields go down. So man, maybe you give him a chance at some point. Like, you're getting, it's getting to that point in the season where we probably want to figure out some the, the next step. Yep. Uh, Cincinnati with a 17-13 win over Seattle. Uh, I was on this one. I'm not sure if I was right about Joe Burrow being back, but he was good enough on a day where Geno Smith was just off, off, off his game, and uh, it, that was that was all it took uh, for the Bengals, who played really good defense. Yeah, the, the turnovers just kill you because Geno, you know, Geno was finding his guys. They were they they were running the ball effectively. He just turned the ball over. And, and if you look at the stats, like the Seahawks won the stats. Seahawks dominated this game. And the only difference is the turnovers. You turn the football over twice. You hurt your team. You kill the momentum. You don't score points. It leads to uh, opportunities for the other team. And that's why you could dominate the stats and still lose a game 17-13. Even have a chance, though, at the end to still win the game. And then you still come up short and lose the game. Yeah, the uh, – oh, I guess we, we skipped over the London game, but the Baltimore Ravens get a 24-16 win over Tennessee. You know what? They were just trying to make sure that the fans in London saw a lot of kicking. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, they love football over sure, there. Sure, that's what it was. And so Justin Tucker was the star of this game. Six of six. Six of six. Justin Tucker. No shock. Yeah. Best player in the NFL uh, comes through when, when they really needed him. Uh, Ryan Tannehill left the game for a little while but came back. Uh, Titans unable to get anything going late. Uh, Jacksonville, London's other team, 37-20 win over the Colts. And this was – I got to eat a little hat here where – uh, I said that Gardner Minshew is is going to do just fine against this defense, this defense that is is weak in the secondary. And Gardner Minshew put up some big numbers, but one of the big numbers he put up was three interceptions, and yep. that was just a game changer for them. They were they were unable to come back from that. And Travis Etienne for the Jaguars, uh, I guess they're trying. I guess they finally figured out that maybe running the offense through the running back is a way to be effective and take the load off of Trevor Lawrence. Like, this is a team, they put up 37 points, and Trevor Lawrence only threw for 181 yards. 
Like, that's that's rare. But ETN, for the second week in a row, scores multiple touchdowns. So maybe starting to starting to find some rhythm there in that Jacksonville offense. If you were a person who had a Carolina plus 14 ticket at the end of the first quarter, you probably felt really good about things. Sure. You did not win. Carolina 21, Miami 42 as they stepped on the gas in the second half and the Miami Dolphins run and hide 42-21 winners. This was a game where uh, we saw some Mike White, which was not good. <laughs> Mike White throws one pass and it, it scored, but it scored for Carolina. Yep. Uh, but Raheem Mostert continues to just be too much for teams to deal with. When you've got to think about Tyree Kill and you've got to think about Jalen Waddell, Raheem Mostert in this Miami run game, which they didn't have a lot of last season, 115 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, uh, another receiving touchdown from Mostert. They're they're a very balanced offense, mm-hmm. which is, again, something that we wouldn't have expected coming into this season. But th- there's no number that they're behind where you say, oh, they can't come back and win because this was a yep. – this was a, a, a tale of a, a bad first quarter where it looked like their offense was off, mm-hmm. and suddenly – Whew, they they stepped up. I love uh, that they were covering and winning in the fourth quarter. White throws that pick six, and so now they're not covering anymore. And so Mike Mike McDaniel says the offense has to you know go yep. up there and score back a touchdown. Out there, boys. Salvin Ahmed gets the touchdown with just over two minutes left to secure the cover. Um, everyone was wondering, you know, Devon HN looked incredible the past couple of weeks with him out now for a few weeks. Would this offense suffer? No, of course not, because you still have Tyreek Hill who had 163 yards and a touchdown and an impressive backflip celebration. You still have Jalen Waddell, seven catches for 51 and a score, and Mostert, who did it all for you. So this offense continues to to dominate the NFL and set all kinds of records, and we'll see just how long this is going to run for the Miami Dolphins, who have an incredible game against the Eagles coming up on Sunday Night Football and Philadelphia coming off their first loss of the season how do they respond yeah it's a good question and we'll go to that game now and I'll tell you I had a I lost one bet yesterday and it was the Jets team total under 16 and a half and I lost that when the Eagles essentially said we're gonna let the Jets score a touchdown so we can get the ball back Mm -hmm. that's a tough one it's a tough pill to swallow but because the Eagles defense was phenomenal their offense was not. This was not the Jets or not the Eagles offense that we've seen all season long. Jalen Hurts looked flustered. They turned the ball over four times. I mean, if they had won that game, they they, they shouldn't have. Uh, but the the Jets end up getting that win uh, on the fourth turnover, where Jalen Hurts just throws a an inexplicable interception, just a, a terrible, terrible decision. So th- this and the Jets just, take it in on the next play. This was just incredible strategy on behalf of uh, Robert Sala and the Jets, um, you were playing without your two starting cornerbacks in Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. And so that maybe gave Nick Sirianni and the Eagles some false confidence to attack the sure. outside. And then the Jets, I mean, I'm joking, but it worked. And then the Jets baited them in and, and were able to get with the interceptions. And then you mentioned that play at the end. You know, this, this was the Jets being um, overzealous because they – get the interception and celebrated like they won the Super Bowl. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> they, they return it to the eight yard line. At that point, the, the, the Eagles have two timeouts left. There's a minute 46 on the clock or a minute 50. 
the Jets, in my opinion, should have taken a knee. Most people's opinion. Here's what you do: you take a knee. Philly calls a timeout. All right, now there's because all you need is a field goal. Now there's 148 on the clock. All right, you backpedal a little bit, go to the middle of the field, take another knee. Now Philly calls their second, their third, and final timeout. And now there's 137 on the clock, whatever, 140. Okay, third down, backpedal a little bit more, take a knee. Now you let the clock run all the way down to about 55 seconds left. Maybe you take the leg game penalty. Whatever, go back another five yards. And then you kick a field goal to go up by a score of 15-14 with 40-somewhat seconds left. I wish you that would have happened. You kick the ball off to the Eagles, <laughs> and now you're at, now you say to Philly, you have no timeouts left, and you have 40 seconds. Yeah. Good luck. But instead, one handoff, Brees Hall goes up the middle. They say touchdown. The Eagles let him walk right in. They celebrate like they won the Super Bowl. And I honestly, as a Jet fan, I was nervous. I said, if the Eagles win this freaking game because the Jets made a stupid decision and that would have been tough. a touchdown. It would have been tough to swallow. But I th- also think, like, this was Salah who trusted his defense yesterday. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles' offense looked bad all day. Like, he probably he probably felt like having my best unit on the field right now is the way to go. And Honestly, it didn't even look like he celebrated after the Brees Hall touchdown. No, he didn't. Because I, I feel think he like knew that there he was knew, like, still work to be done. There was a minute. The, the Eagles got the ball back with a minute 46 and two timeouts. Yeah. That's an eternity for yep. them. And they go four and out. So, it was just, again, great defense. By the Jets, the Eagles suffer their first loss in New York. Remember when Fez made fun of me because I said, as long as they're just two and two after four weeks without Aaron Rodgers, everything's going to be okay. They are now three and three after six weeks. They are firmly the third worst team in the AFC East. <laughs> no, but I don't think there's any doubt about that. So, it, like what Fezzik was saying was, no, they're the worst team in the AFC East. I, yeah. I don't think, I know the, the Patriots have a head to head win over them. Mm hmm. I think the Jets are better than the Patriots at this point. Of course point. they are. Look at this schedule, though. Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles. Yeah. They're 3-3 three and three with Zach Wilson as their quarterback with that schedule. And the rest of the schedule, Giants, Chargers, Raiders, Bills again, Dolphins. We know the two Dolphins games are going to be tough. The toughest games they have on their schedule are the Chargers game. The, and, the, and then their division games. And then the Bills and the two Dolphins games. Other than that. Commanders, Falcons, Texans, even the Raiders. These are winnable games for the Jets. So uh, I, I, think, uh, I think they might have something going on here. Uh, the Texans, 2013 winners over the Saints. They win outright as two-point dogs. C.J. Stroud throws the first interception of his career. I guess it it's had to come at some over. point. It's uh, all over. But listen, the Texans, who didn't get their third win until, you know, week 18 or whatever it was last year, uh, to have three wins at this point of the season, you've certainly got to be – I would assume Texans fans are certainly pleased with what D'Amico Ryans is doing. Absolutely. The defense playing well. They have weapons on offense. This is a, a scrappy football team that I, I, you know, I have enjoyed betting on and I will continue to enjoy betting on. One of the ugliest games of the day, Cleveland didn't care. Cleveland Browns 19, San Francisco 17. What the heck happened? The Browns defense happened. And I've been saying all season long, this is an elite unit. And they but let's also, they put Brock Purdy. Let's like, also he, acknowledge Christian McCaffrey left the game. Debo Samuel left the game. Yeah. So this is a 49ers offense that was just Brock Purdy. 
and Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. So as much, maybe what we should start, well, I guess we've already been doing it, but giving yeah. some credit to McCaffrey. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I they, think so. He's, he's pretty like, important. Not just pretty important, like the most important player. But I also think at some point we've got to acknowledge this Browns defense is the real thing. Sure. Uh, Brock Purdy played basically the first bad game of his career. And it was his first regulation loss. This first was, regular, and, regular season loss. And it was ugly. Um, weather played an issue or played a role, I suppose. But the uh, the Browns get a couple field goals in the fourth quarter and win this one 19-17. San Francisco loses their first game. The 49ers had a chance to at the end, and they missed the field goal. The rookie missed the field goal, so they uh, wouldn't have covered or anything, obviously. The Commanders, 24-16 winners over Atlanta. Desmond Ritter loses his first home game, and he stinks. Uh, this, he, this game is – if. We've seen everybody have success against this commander's defense, mm-hmm. except Desmond Ritter. Uh, he, I mean, when you look at the counting stats and you see the 300 yards, you go, oh, not bad. But, the, again, three touchdowns. Uh, the, the, the Things just didn't go right for them. The, the offense never – like the run game never really clicked for them. I think 88 I, combined yards between Bijan and Tyler Algier. But they also don't put these guys in the right positions to succeed. I agree. Like, like Arthur Smith's play calling is terrible. They get down into the red zone and they like it's just it's like the dumbest play calling whatsoever. You know what? Like you have a weapon in Bijan Robinson. You get down inside the ten yard line, use him, use him. Here's one of the more uh, wild things you can look at at the end of the game. If you look at the the team stats between these teams, mm-hmm. Team A had 402 yards, 25 first downs. Uh, team B had 193 yards and 13 first downs. Mm-hmm. And Team B was the Washington Commanders winning by eight points. That's what three turnovers three will turnovers, do for you. And then also, you know, you get a bunch of yardage on the final drive yep. of the game. So 60 yards on that final drive for the Falcons before they got the, uh, the before he threw his third interception. The Detroit Lions, 20 the Bucks six Bucks hung around with them for a little while, but then the Lions' offense started to roll. Uh, and man, this Lions team plays really good defense. The offense is getting better. Amon Ross St. Brown has a huge day. Jamison Williams, uh, he's he's back with a touchdown. This is a team that I'm starting to believe in as one of the contenders in the NFC. So with the 49ers and the Bills losing, and the Lions winning. Do the Lions become the top team in the power rankings? They, I mean, they may be. I, I, I still think it's the 49ers. 49ers no, for, uh, I mean, 49ers and Eagles. Eagles losing, yes. I, I, still think it's, I still think it's the 49ers or the team to beat. Yep. Uh, but, man, this Lions team, I think we certainly have to take them seriously going forward. And then the final game, the L.A. Rams, 26-9 to winners over the Cardinals. Uh, defense. Shut down Arizona in the second half. The offense Kyron got Williams. going. My goodness. Big day for Kyron Williams. You're right. Um, who, reco- who fumbles and then, you know, it ends up working out sometimes. You fumble and you end up scoring on the same play. That's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, but, yeah, the, the offense for Arizona just wasn't there. Josh Dobbs, this is kind of what I expected Josh Dobbs to look like. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's – Arizona is playing with like half a deck of cards. Like this is there's just there's a talent devoid team. So anytime that they're in the game, I give them credit. You know, I'm not saying they should fire a coach or anything because I really think this team is not set up to have any success. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but the fact that they held close in this game for a half was impressive. Just couldn't do it for four quarters. So one more game to go in week six, and that's Monday night football tonight, Scott. The, uh, the line is now one and a half. Cowboys, one and a half point road favorites against the L.A. Chargers. I agree with the line move. I mean, you and I are both on the Chargers, so we'll accept our CLV. Uh, but perhaps now we look at the Cowboys and how they've done this season against opponents and whether or not we truly believe this Cowboys team is as elite as people consider them to be. Their three wins are against the Giants, Jets, and Patriots. And we saw the Jets come away with an incredible win yesterday, and they're 3-3. Three and three, But the Giants and Patriots are not good football teams. We know that. They lost to the 49ers, who we saw just lose to the Cleveland Browns. They lost to the Cardinals, who get walloped by everybody they play. And we have a Chargers team that is home, that is off of a bye, that is off of two straight wins uh, against, you know, winning teams. Well, well, the Raiders are a 3-3 and team, but the Vikings are coming off a win. A loss to the Dolphins where, frankly, that might be the most impressive loss this season <laughs> besides the, 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 the Dolphins losing to the Bills, right? That's a very impressive loss. And a coin flip game at Tennessee against the Titans in the rain. So this Chargers team, I actually think is more talented than the Dallas Cowboys. I I love the whole, you know, coaching storyline here with Kellen Moore and what he's going to try and do with this offense, the familiarity that he has going up against the Cowboys defense in practice all the all that time. So I like the Chargers to pick up a win here at home. What was the stat you had about teams after they play the 49ers with what they do the next week? They lose all the time. So after you play the 49ers, and that's where the, um, I guess, the the Cowboys are in that mode, right, playing after the 49ers. So the week after playing the 49ers, since the start of last season, teams are 2-19 and 19 straight up, 4-15-2 against the spread. You go back even further to 2020, 17-39 straight up. Yeah. But the really is, if you're looking at the current incarnation of the 49ers, since the start of last year, teams are 2-19 and 19 straight up the week after playing the 49ers. Pretty incredible. I like the Chargers here, too. I like them even more in the first half. Found some numbers on Justin Herbert, who is 15-7 ATS in the first half since the start of last season. He's 11-2 ATS in the first half in prime time. Second half. 2-10-1 in those same wow. 13 primetime games. Uh, so I I played plus three early in the week. I also played some Chargers first half, uh, and that's that's that'd be the way I would look at this one. I think the Chargers get out to a good start, and this avoids any kind of second-half shenanigans by Brandon Staley, who I still don't trust. I do think this is the more talented team, though, the Chargers. Uh, I just worry that Brandon Staley could do something dumb to cost me money. So I'll play the first half uh, and and hope that they can hold on late. High scoring, yes or no? Seems like it should be, right? I, I, I really think the the idea that the Cowboys are this defensive juggernaut, I think that's kind of been exposed. I agree. I, I And then especially when you go back and you say, well, who are their wins? It was Zach Wilson, Mac offense. Jones, and Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah you, you should look good against those guys. So Justin Herbert, I think he should have some success against this Plus, team. Plus, I do think there's something to Kellen Moore wanting to run up the score. Yeah, uh, I think I think he's going to be aggressive. I think he's going to throw the ball down the field. Um, if I'm looking to to put together some sort of same game parlay for tonight, I like 
I like longest reception. Even if you don't just want to bet a straight prop, I like kind of longest reception props on some of these Chargers guys because I do think Kellen Moore is going to want to take a shot down the field more than once. So if you can find a longest re- receiver for, uh, prop for like a longest reception for like Quentin Johnson. Yeah, he's somebody supposed like to be that. the guy. That's what yeah. his job's supposed to Something be. Something like so. that. That would be a fun one that I that I would take a look at for tonight's game. Let's see if I can pull up a longest reception prop. Um, no, not up yet. It'll probably be up, obviously, uh, as we progress throughout the morning. But, yeah, I would look. Oh, here we go. Longest reception. Quentin's not available. Right now, what's the what? There's a number on Keenan Allen, I assume. Yeah, twenty four and a half for Keenan Allen. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd wait till the menu expands a little bit this afternoon. Yeah, because so. I do think that there's going to be. I do think there'll be a deep shot or two or three. Either way, should tell us a lot about both these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, the Chargers, they, they kind of need this. I, I guess now both teams kind of need it. You know, given the Cowboys are not they're not sitting on the same perch that they were two weeks ago. Nope. So uh, should be a fun one tonight. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness, and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. The Texas Rangers take a one-game-to-none lead over the Astros in the Battle for Texas, also known as the American League Championship Series. 2-0 the final last night from Houston as Jordan Montgomery pitches an absolute gem. Six and a third innings of five-hit shutout baseball. Six strikeouts, walking one. Justin Verlander wasn't bad. Six and two-thirds, six Very hits, good. two runs, two walks, five Ks. He gives up the home run. 
to uh, uh, Tavares, but that was it. The Astros just didn't get anything done offensively. Almost, AJ, had a chance in the eighth inning when Alex Bregman sent one to uh, deep left field. If it was like a little bit more to the left, it would have been in the Crawford boxes, but it goes right in that corner section, 366 feet away. The ball was hit 103.2 miles per hour off the bat. Expected batting average of 560. (laughs) It would have been a home run at Fenway. It would have been a home run at Wrigley. Nowhere else. No, and a great play by Carter. Like you said, the the, the batting average on it, that should have been a, a double. Yeah, uh, it off the wall. It should have been an yeah. RBI double. Uh, and usually when those bang in that little corner, they, they tend to shoot out to the field, and then mm. you, you sometimes you could run for a long time. And Altuve but, was on first base, and, yeah, he would have scored easily. But he Al, Jose Altuve continues to be the worst base runner I've ever seen <laughs> for someone who has – the tools to be a great base runner. Yeah. Usually you think, oh, a little guy who's like a grinder, uh, you know, is a, a an on-base guy, he's got good speed. He is the worst base runner in baseball. He goes past second base, turns around, doesn't step on second base on his way back, mm-hmm. and gets doubled off at first. Just a, an inexcusable error. and It wasn't as bad as Bryce Harper when Bryce Harper ran past the bag because Altuve actually did what you're supposed to do. You run to second, then you stay on second, and you wait to see if the ball is caught or not. He almost did what you're supposed and to do. And then when he turned around to go back to first, the replay showed that he actually wasn't – he didn't touch second base again because uh, it's not like he got thrown out at first. Right. He got called out when they appealed on a replay. at second that he never retouched, and that – Blew the Astros' chances because, you know what? I said it before the series started when uh, Josh Towers, former MLB pitcher, and I talked about this on, on our baseball podcast. I said, I'm worried about Aroldis Chapman. I am worried about Chapman. Like because, mentally? Well, the Astros own him. Yeah. And that park is like his nightmare. <laughs> Coming into last night, he had a 5.55 ERA against the Astros. Not ideal. Not ideal for the – and a guy who has blown – Opportunities in the postseason against the Houston Astros. He walked Altuve. He didn't want anything to do with Altuve. No. He walked Altuve, and then Bregman sends one 365 feet away, and you luckily turn that into a double play? Come on. Yeah. Uh, But the truth is, nobody in the Astros lineup, there was no hits uh, after the fourth inning. Yeah. Uh, The offense just went into hibernation, and the guys who have been the monsters in this lineup were quiet. You know, uh, especially Jordan Alvarez, 0 for 4. Who, and I, thought, he, I thought Montgomery's approach to him was fantastic. He was mixing up speeds. He was jamming them inside. He had him guessing the whole time. It, it, I thought he pitched. I thought we have to, as much as, yeah, we want to say these guys didn't hit, we got to give credit to Jordan Montgomery. You're right. And it, it's wild to think that the Yankees at one point were like, well, we're going to trade Jordan Montgomery because he won't make our postseason rotation. Yeah. And then you think like, Jordan Montgomery might be the number one on the Yankees this season. <laughs> so uh, it's it's wild where that guy, that the roller coaster ride of that guy's career uh, and for him to pitch as well as he did last night was impressive. And you're, you're right, Justin Verlander threw a great game and the, they just didn't get the support behind him. So Astros got to dig themselves out of a hole now. And, you know, this is uh, you're not going to get too many of these times where you hold the Rangers to two runs in a baseball game. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you you put up an egg that's that's tough to come back from. So the Rangers now minus 180 to win this series. The Astros plus 140 
on the comeback. And we have game two tonight in Houston, where it'll be Nathan Yavaldi on the mound for Texas, who's been incredible this postseason with a 2-0 record, 1.32 ERA against Framber Valdez, who got absolutely rocked against the Minnesota Twins in his only outing this postseason. Odds on this game tonight? Astros minus 120, Rangers even money on the comeback. Man, uh, I'd love to say I'm. it's the DraftKings dog of the day for me, but Fromber's just been rough lately. Uh, it, it's it's hard to to want to back him right now because, you know, the, it's 15 runs in his last three starts, 15 earned runs allowed in his last three starts. He's not himself right now. And the, the Astros, it, like you mentioned, the Rangers throwing Evaldi, I don't know if I trust their lineup to 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 give him the support he might need because I I don't think I don't think Framber is going to pitch as well as Verlander did last night mm-hmm. and and Yovaldi's he's the best pitcher that they've had going in the in these playoffs so this this feels like you always say this you never want to say it's uh you know do or die must win, it must win. The over, yeah. but boy it sure does feel like it because if they fall down 0-2 to this team and and they lose with Verlander and Framber the two guys that you know you feel like you should be able to count on I, I don't know where the wins come from especially considering it looks like Scherzer's in line to pitch game three for the Rangers yeah that would be something so take a look at that game uh tonight also tonight game one of the National League championship series the Phillies are a minus 175 favorite to win the series over the Diamondbacks Arizona's plus 150 on the comeback for tonight's game it'll be Zach Wheeler for the Phillies and Zach Gallen for the Diamondbacks battle of the Zacks we have the Phillies as a minus 166 favorite Diamondbacks plus 140 on the comeback total of seven and a half for tonight's game. This feels like an under game to me. I, I feel like both these pitchers shine. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would expect both these guys. I, I think this game could look a lot like last night's game with the Astros and Rangers, where yeah. uh, pitching wins today. The uh, the Both these guys are obviously guys that their teams trust, obviously guys that you and I would trust mm-hmm. uh, and have backed a lot this season. So I, I think this could be a, a, a real grind of a game. Now, part of me, the initial thought is, oh, well, uh, you know, you have two elite pitchers, postseason game. Like, let's take a look at the nerfy, right? The no runs first inning between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks tonight. Uh, the hesitation I will give you is the Trey that- Turner will get the bat. Well, is that if you're going to get to Zach Gallen, you get to Gallen in the first inning. This year, Gallen's made 33 starts. He's allowed 12 first inning runs. He has a 3.27 ERA in the first inning. So you want to get to him, you have to get to him early. Wheeler, 32 games, 11 first inning runs, a 2.81 ERA in the first inning. So it seems like both of these pitchers are guys that can be had early. And then they settle in, especially we've seen Gallon already this postseason. Gallon against Milwaukee gives up two runs in the bottom of the first inning and then continues to throw five shutout innings after that. So he settles in quite nicely against the Diamond, against the uh, Dodgers. You know, Gallon gave, didn't give up a run until the fourth inning, but this is that, that, that's his MO. He'll give up runs early and then just lock it down. So on the road, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just want to caution people because it seems like it's juicy and it's like, oh, it's got to hit. It's got to hit. It's got to hit. No, it doesn't got to hit. So I would I would caution you against doing the nerfy. But I do like it to be a low-scoring game. Plus, we know the Phillies' bullpen's rested now. 
and they got five closures out of that bullpen yeah. that can come in and shut these shut this down. So an important game for the Diamondbacks because you want to win every start that Zach, that Zach Allen's going to throw here. If the Phillies win this, I feel extra confident in them winning the series. If the Phillies lose this, I still don't think that they're underdogs to lose this series. I agree. I, I think it, it's Aaron unlike Nola, the other series. Yeah, Aaron Nola, Merrill Kelly, Ranger Suarez, Brandon Fod. It's the, the, the Phillies will be the Phillies can survive a loss here in game one. I don't know if Arizona can. The Astros Rangers series feels a lot tighter, like one game can swing things extremely. Yeah. Where th- this Phillies Diamondback series feels like uh, unless the unless the Phillies get down 2-0, I'm not even going to worry about them. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried. The Phillies can survive a loss tonight. The Diamondbacks probably not. Again, it'll be Aaron Nola Merrill Kelly in game two on Tuesday, and then you would expect it to be Suarez and Fod yep. in game three in in uh, Arizona. So game one tonight of the NLCS, game two tonight of the ALCS. Well, it was a wild week in college football. We saw the number one team in the country struggle a little with Georgia and maybe lose their best offensive player. We'll see about that. Uh, we saw Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Penn State just absolutely wreck inferior teams. We saw USC lose, and I, I'd been saying, Scott, it's coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. This team mm-hmm. is not an undefeated type of team. You can't play this type of defense and be you make it through the full schedule. And it caught up to USC this last weekend. Yeah, Notre Dame was incredible, and it was a bounce-back spot for them. Uh, I I thought that it was a game that they had to have. Like I said, you know, we don't like saying must-wins, but if Notre Dame can win out with a win over USC and then looking at the remainder of their schedule, this is still a team that's going to finish highly ranked and will be in a New Year's Six Bowl game. But you lose to USC, the season's down the drain. Your best hope is to, like, get an invite to the Holiday Bowl or something. But they still have New Year's Six aspirations, and as long as Notre Dame is ranked in the top 12, they'll be in the New Year's Six. They finish the season with only two losses. That's exactly where they'll be. Huge bounce-back spot with a, a very convincing win over uh, over USC. Defense did the job. They got a running game going. I thought it was just like a, a, a classic Notre Dame football game. Caleb Williams with three picks. Yeah. And when we talk about trying to win back-to-back Heismans, I think you have to be above reproach. Like, you have to be almost perfect. Mm-hmm. This may have been enough for him to be out of that conversation. A loss in a game where they threw three picks, where he yep. threw three picks. And uh, you combine it with the performance that we saw uh, earlier in the Washington-Oregon game, where I could argue both Bo Nix and Michael Penix should be higher in the Heisman rankings than Caleb Williams. Yeah, both guys played a phenomenal game. And, and it's funny, when we talked about this game, we were like, this line feels about right. Uh, what did I say? What did I keep saying? I kept saying it. I said home field has to matter. Yeah, home field has to matter. The line was three points, and guess what? Washington wins by three. Although it was a fight, they had to uh, they had to come back and get it at the end. And well, I thought Penix looked terrible at, early. For, he was early, bad early, and he was clearly hurt. Um, he was grimacing in pain, but then he gutted it out and made some clutch throws late in the game. As Washington won 36-33, he finished with 302 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. And he is now a minus 140 favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Man. And listen, they've got uh, Washington's next two games. I don't want to say free squares, but Arizona State and at Stanford, games that they should win. Mm -hmm. And then November 4th starts the run. At USC, Utah, 
at Oregon State, home to Washington State for the Apple Cup. And then maybe possible, the last Apple Cup. And then a possible rematch with Oregon. What? A possible rematch with one of those teams. Yeah, yes, <laughs> like who knows yes. who it's going to be, but they're going to be playing somebody good in that Pac-12 championship. By so the way, somebody on Twitter had an incredible uh, tweet, and I forgot who it was, and I can't pull it up now. So I apologize for not giving credit, but this was not my tweet, so I'm not taking credit. For okay, this. but it said Oregon and Washington with the game of the year. Now that's what I call Big Ten football. <laughs> That's pretty good. That that is pretty good. We will be calling it Big Ten football pretty soon. Exactly. Uh, well, you, me- you mentioned Stanford. Can we talk about what what happened on Friday night? Because, I think we have to. All right. I, here's what happened. Let me tell you what happened. I went out Friday night. Went to a, went to a show here in town. Okay. A little concert. Saw saw Yachtly Crew. You ever hear of them? No. So like I uh, I, I, get, I get, yeah, it. get yeah, it. Yeah. Right? Soft rock. You know. So get down with a little. Get down with a little soft rock. Okay. I might have been the youngest in the crowd, but it was okay. okay. Actually, my girl was the youngest in the crowd. And, uh, but you know, we have a drink at the bar before we go into the show. And I'm watching Colorado, and they're kicking ass. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. I told AJ. I said, Coach Prime was bitching about the start time, and he was like, the 8 o'clock starts are stupid. This is the dumbest thing. Conference needs to, you know, re- reevaluate this. And I said, you know. He was right. His team fell asleep at halftime. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, so I'm, I, we're having a drink at the bar. I'm watching the first half, and I was like, this is it. I told AJ he doesn't want to make any excuses. He doesn't want to make any excuses. So he was going to put a hurting on this team. They were going to go up big. And, wow, what a, what a nice win. Let's go to the concert. Come out of the show. Go back to the bar. You got the sports center on the TV. Put, put some money in the video poker machine. I'm sitting there. I'm clicking through, clicking through. Then I look up. Stanford won? What? Take out my phone. I start looking at everything. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You talk about a collapse and that's that that is epic. That's like Coach Prime. Like he deserves every bit of criticism. The team deserves every bit of criticism. And he tries to stick up for it after the game. And he's like, look at me. Do I look like I care? What you think about me? And then I, I thought SNL did a great job spoofing it. But uh, that was an epic collapse. And he's doing it wrong. Like, that's not the way to handle these situations. And he was saying, like, you know, I I, I wish my guys cared as much as I do about this. Stop. Uh, But here's what that that loss really means is Colorado is now sitting at four and three. Obviously, you need six wins to get the bowl eligibility. Their remaining schedule, UCLA on the road, Oregon State, Arizona, which doesn't look as easy as it did a couple weeks ago, at Washington State, at Utah. After all the hype around this Colorado team to start the season, if they don't make a bowl game, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big disappointment this season. Kyle, look at me, man. What about me makes you think that I care about what you think about me? You don't understand that my team has it all, man. Just a small two-game schedule on the NHL slate last night. Senators defeated the Lightning 5-2. I like this young Senators team, AJ. They brought in some offense with Tarasenko. They're scoring goals. Uh, This could be a play-on team as we go throughout the season. And then the Ducks, wearing the Mighty Ducks throwbacks, defeated the Hurricanes 6-3. Frank Petrano 
with three goals in this one for Anaheim. Um, I lost my first hockey bet of the season. Oh, man. I, did. I was hoping for, like, you know, 75-0 and 0 or something. Well, we started the season 6-0, and 0, and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice to just get to double digits? Like, let me just get to 10-0. Cool. Yeah. Let me get to 10-0. Because then I could say 10 and 0 Major League Baseball postseason, 10 and 0 NHL. Sure. I think it would have been a nice marketing campaign. Oh, yeah. But I had Rangers on Saturday over three and a half goals playing against our boy Elvis Merzlikens and the Blue Jackets. The Rangers scored one goal in the first 50 seconds. And I said, Phew, we are well on our way. <laughs> then the Rangers score another goal in the first period. Oh. But wait a minute. Coach is going to challenge it. What do you mean coach is going to challenge it? Well, maybe there was a player offsides. Video replay shows there was a player that just happened to be offsides. Damn it. All right. And I said, you, you know come what? back from this, though. I said, you know what? I, I don't like this rule. I don't like You don't this like rule. offsides? No, no, no. Offsides is there for a reason. I don't like the coach's challenge for offsides. Okay. First off, if the ref doesn't call it on the ice because it's that close, let the damn play go. But also, I think you should only challenge things that are egregious, things that affect the play. If said offsides player scored a goal on that entry rush, mm-hmm. that's that's a challengeable play. Sure. Because you know what? He got a little bit of an advantage going into the zone early, and then maybe it was a two-on-one and they scored the goal. That You know what? Challenge that play. But if a guy on the opposite side of the rink just happened to have his skate cross that blue line before the puck, but he doesn't even touch the puck again or ever, and you score a minute and a half later, you shouldn't be able to challenge that. That's that's bullshit. Yeah. That's like you know what that's like saying? That's like in football. If you if if you run a play, if the Buffalo Bills against the Giants run a play, right? And they get four yards on first down. All right. Okay. Four yards on first down. On second down, Josh Allen gets sacked. Now it's third and long. Okay. Then they run a a third and long play, and it's incomplete. They throw the challenge flag, and they say, on second down, Kayvon Thibodeau was offsides. (laughs) Oh, no, but but it was was Bobby O'Karake who had the sack. Thibodeau didn't even get involved in the play. But that was also two plays ago, and it had nothing to do with the incomplete pass on third down. Yeah, that's frustrating. But let's go back and challenge yeah. that play. So anyway, the Rangers, I'm just bitching here, but the Rangers had an overturned goal. I, and you're right, we can get over this. It's still one. We still have one goal. We need a couple more. It's only the first period. Rangers score again. Okay. Another replay challenge. Oh, they lose this one too. And they lose this one too. They had two overturned goals in the first period. So instead of, <laughs> instead of scoring three goals in the first period, they only scored one. Rangers finish the game losing five to three. So they don't Oof. go over three and a half. So they actually scored five goals, but only three of them counted. Oh, man. But like five pucks went past the other goalie. Yeah. So I feel like my handicap was right. Yeah. Because more than three and a half goals. But they were cheating. Were scored. They're, you're right. You're going into the zone. That's before. right. You're not allowed. You're not allowed. Let's see if the Rangers can bounce back tonight. They are one of five games on the schedule in the NHL. They will host the Coyotes. At Madison Square Garden. The Rangers are a minus 230 favorite over Arizona, who is coming off of an upset win against the Devils to open up their season. Congratulations. That's a big win for for them. In net tonight for the Rangers could be Igor Shesterkin. He started their, you know, first uh, two games for them this season. Maybe it's Jonathan Quick. 
But Connor Ingram is going to be the goaltender for the Coyotes tonight. He is their backup to Carol Vamelka, so the Rangers will get to face a backup goaltender tonight at Madison Square Garden. Elsewhere, we have the Blackhawks at the Maple Leafs. Connor Bedard gets to play in Toronto in front of the Canadian fans once again. In net for uh, Toronto will be Joseph Wall. In net for the Blackhawks, likely going to be Peter Morazic. Now, Connor Bedard props are getting a little bit juiced. We understand this, right? The kid has uh, had five shots on goal in his first game. Six shots on goal in his second game. The over two and a halfs, they're gone, AJ. They're gone. So the book puts up three and a half for the game against Montreal. Five shots on goal and an assist. So he goes over again. So if you're keeping score at home, Connor Bedard's 3-0 to the over in his shots on goal prop. The first two games were two and a half. Game three was three and a half. When we post props later on. What a puck hog. When we post props uh, later on tonight, let's see if there's something early uh, here now on the books if we can see. Usually they don't post they don't post these things until later on today. Yeah, nothing's posted until later on today. But maybe take a look at uh, Bedard if you can get a good number on his uh, shot prop. Uh, also with Taylor Hall injured, maybe a little bit, little bit more uh, emphasis on Bedard to do something. And in front of the Toronto fans, you know he's going to want to put on a show uh, anytime he gets to play. Up in Canada, eh? The Devils will host the... Oh, by the way, the Maple Leafs are minus 345 in that game. They're just slight favorites. Uh, Blackhawks, plus 275 on the comeback. Devils looking to bounce back from their first loss of the season. Uh, That was an overtime to the Coyotes. They will host the Panthers. Devils are minus 185. The Panthers, plus 154 on the comeback. And we're likely going to see Vitek Vanacek in net for the Devils. Sergei Bavrovsky likely for the Panthers. The Flames are at the Capitals as the Capitals look to get their first win of the season. Scheduled goaltenders for this one, Darcy Kemper for the Capitals and Jacob Markstrom for uh, the Flames. And then the Red Wings at the Blue Jackets, where I like this young Detroit team. I really do. They will likely have Billy Husso in net. And Elvis Merzlikens could possibly get his third consecutive start for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I got to be honest, he's looked better. Oh, that's too bad. He's looked better. Well, he only gave up three goals to the Rangers. I think he's going to give up four. He actually gave up five, but only three of them counted. But uh, this Red Wings team is fun. They got a lot of youth. Um, They they brought in some offensive talent as well. So it's not just... You know, uh, Larkin and the, the players that they had last year, which made them a fun team to watch. Like, you look at them this year, and and they uh, they got some guys that can score. Debrinkit, JT Comfer. So, maybe Red Wings team total. Maybe Red Wings just for the game. I got, I got to take a look a little further, but we'll wait for confirmation on the goaltending matchup in this one. The Red Wings right now a minus 120 favorite. Blue Jackets, even money on the comeback, and this total is at seven for tonight. So expecting some goals between these two teams. If you want to jump on board with my NHL All Access, it is still up and available at pregame.com. The discount's still up there. The early bird NHL season access, six and one to start the season so far. So I feel pretty good about where we're at to start the season. So jump on board that at pregame.com. AJ's been crushing college football. So if you want to get on board with A.J. Hoffman, maybe a weekender, all-access next weekend, because, wait, combined college football and NFL, 
between Saturday and Sunday. Nine and four. That's a pretty good that'll, winning weekend. That'll get get the bills paid. <laughs> yeah. So maybe a weekend they're all access next weekend for AJ Hoffman. Well, here's what you can do. You can save money at pregame.com if you use our promo codes. Go to the website, use the promo code GOAL10, G-O-A-L-10, GOAL10. It's going to save you $10 at pregame.com. $10 off anything you'd like. You want a daily best bet package? Go right ahead, take $10 off. You want the weekender? Sure, $10 off. You want just $10 discount off of anything? $10 off using the promo code GOAL10 at pregame.com. Also, with the NBA season right around the corner, the Beat Steve Fezzik NBA contest is up and available to enter for free. Just go to pregame.com, click on contests, and find the Beat Fezzik NBA contest. It is free to enter with a chance to win up to $1,000. Rules all are online. Go to pregame.com, click on contests, find that contest. And again, goal 10 will save you $10 off at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.